Hey everyone, welcome to Melania Money. I'm your host, Alex. Today we bring you some clarity amongst all this corona craziness on whether right now is a good time to invest, what will happen in the commercial real estate market, and what effects population trends will have in the remainder of 2020. We've brought to you none other than Robert Kiyosaki's real estate advisor, Ken McElroy, to give us some perspective on this very important topic today. I hope you enjoy. So, Kenny, let's just jump right into it because people are very curious as to what's going on. And um, pre-coronavirus, the real estate was booming because of things like interest rates, favorable taxes in certain states, and the economy was doing well. How has this changed since the coronavirus shut down the economy? Well, everything's changed. Mm -hmm. You know, it's... Um... This is very different, you know, but it's not unlike any kind of a setback to real estate. So it's definitely a setback to real estate. And, um, you know, what's happened, obviously, everybody knows there's, there's two, two major things. The first thing is the government said people can't um, go to work, right? You know, and, and they shut down, um, you know, the businesses and they did this, you know, um, quarantine. Mm -hmm. So, so that's created all these ripple effects and the, the big, the, 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 if you're an employee, the ripple effect is that you're now, uh, you know, you're getting uh, either stimulus money from the business through PPP or you're getting stimulus money from unemployment um, or, um, you know, uh, you know, the stimulus check or whatever it might be. And so, there's that. And then if you're a business, you um, have not had a lot of revenue come in because of the same issues. So, you know, so depending on, you know, where you are, is going to kind of depend on your direction. And so what's happening, uh, what I'm seeing is I'm actually most concerned, Alex, about the fourth quarter, mm -hmm. you know, because right now, in my opinion, everything's still propped up. You know, like uh, people are still getting money. You know, even my sons, you know, are both in college. They're, um, you know, they're, they got unemployment money. Their, you know, friends are getting unemployment money. I've heard crazy numbers. They're 5000 6000 7000 $8,000, you know. And, um, you know, these are 20-year-old, 21-year-old kids. And um, not saying they shouldn't. I'm just saying that, you know, they've gotten this money. And so... You, you know, when that stops, it's going to be very, very interesting. So, you know, because the government can't afford to continue to just print money and give it to everyone to not work. So, and on the other side of that, there's a bit of a non, uh, you know, there's not, there's no urgency if you're getting that kind of money and at home to go back to work. So I have friends that own businesses that are having a tough time, you know, getting, people back to work because, you know, they're making, you know, over $20 an hour by staying home. So uh, there's that. And then on the business side, I just think that there's a lot of businesses that are not going to survive, you know, regardless of what happens, you, you know, there's a, uh, you know, the restaurants and the gyms are all just getting hammered. You know, there's a number of other hospitality related businesses and small hotels and, Air, obviously airlines and things like that that are just getting hammered so you know we haven't yet really in my opinion seen the real aftermath yet because it's all propped up 
Yeah, I think um, people are really happy to receive a stimulus check, like you were mentioning, and there's people who previously weren't even working who are now receiving money from, from the government, and yeah. other people who were actually making less money at their job than what the government is giving them now. So we are seeing people get comfortable, and like you said, this is short term because it's not sustainable. So the impact that, that this will have is, is really interesting, and we're heading for some yeah. very uncertain times, but also opportunities are, are on the rise. And That's so, right. Yeah, and so basically talking about, I mean, I don't know if your kids are with you right now, but you've been mentioning a lot and on other YouTube videos that you've been doing on your own too, which we'll attach in the description because I've been loving the content you've been putting out, Kenny, so thank you for that. But you've been talking a lot about market trends and specifically migration patterns. What cities do you think are growing and which ones are actually declining in population? And how can someone watching this video take advantage of the change in demographics? Uh, great question. So, mm -hmm. well, here's the thing. Um, I, I'll give you that answer for sure because, you know, there's definitely, you know, the big cities are losing people. And, you know, and that's no surprise. You can, you know, but here's the interesting thing. You know, we were already having affordability issues in a lot of the cities. Mm -hmm. You know, San Francisco, New York, Chicago, Seattle was already seeing that. So um, there were already people and employers and everybody, which is a natural thing. What happens is when, when you know, the price of, you know, the cost of living goes up somewhere, you know, people start to look at other options, you know, and they kind of weigh that with what they can make. And, um, and so, you know, employers and employees were already looking at moving in, out of, you know, some of the big cities. So the, 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 what's happening right now is the big cities are getting clobbered. You know, if you just, just Google how many people are moving out of New York today, um, you know, you'll see, it's just crazy. Just as one example, mm -hmm. you know, and, and, and I'm hearing like friends of mine that live in the Northeast. I know, um, you, you know, you, you grew up in Florida, mm -hmm. you know, Florida is experiencing this, you know, this boom right now of people moving out of the Northeast and it's happening also. I'm up right now, currently up in the Northwest, um, just outside of Seattle in Idaho and same kind of thing. People are moving from Seattle into, you know, into, and, you know, and looking at Montana and Idaho and, you know, the people are just trying to get out of these cities right now. Now that might be permanent. It might be temporary. It might be, you know, a purchase. It might be rent. And, you know, it's all kinds of things happening. So, um, so that's definitely happening right now. Um, I think the long term is going to be very different. I personally still think there's a massive need for big cities. In other words, like, like, um, like I, like my son, who's uh, uh, 22 years old, you know, what, what a city does or a big area does is it provides a network and experience. And you have to have those things before you kind of launch to, you know, be autonomous. You know, you can't just go, a 22 year old just can't go to a rural small town and expect, you know, to get rolling. Right. You know what I mean? So there's a, there's a real need for big cities. So, um, but the wealthy, the people who can afford to, the people that are already plugged in, the people that can work from somewhere else, they're, I think, you know, they have a lot more options. And I think you're going to start to see some migration patterns there. I also think it's going to get, that'll be very disruptive. So in other words, you know, 
uh, obviously, if you're a 22-year-old or 23-year-old kid and you're, you're in New York, you can't just move, you know, two hours north. Um, and, um, but if you're, you know, 45 or 50 years old and you have 20 years under your belt somewhere, you know, then you could probably do that in, in a lot of cases because you're, you know, the way you've moved up to an organization or maybe you own your own company. So you're going to start to see migration patterns, I think, of the wealthy um, and the people that can, and um, not just the wealthy, but people that, you know, like uh, I think you saw in my YouTube video, uh, I was kind of highlighting Twitter. You know, Twitter basically said, the CEO said, no one has to come back to work. Yeah. You know, and, and, and I, okay, so if we see more of that, like because Google's looking at that and there's other tech companies that are looking at that, and those are just a few, then I think you could see a very different landscape, but we don't know that yet. You know, we don't know um, who's gonna, what employers are gonna say, we need you to come in and what are gonna say, hey, we can run our businesses from somewhere else. And that is why I think it's a little early to, to try to really predict, you know, these migration patterns, but mm -hmm. there's definitely gonna be a flight to safety, to security, you know, to sanity, <laughs> to, yeah. affordabil to affordability, uh, all that's happening right now. Mm -hmm. No, and it's funny that you mentioned that because even in like my personal group of network and friends, you see people who, who work at well-known companies like Twitter and JP Morgan, and they're actually either moving back in with their family because they realize they don't need to live in a heavy populated area anymore because yes, we need that social network, but at the same time, it's not really happening right now and there's fear. So they, they're not seeing, I guess, the benefit of living in a place where you pay so much rent and yet you don't need to drive to, to work anymore because it's all remote. Right. And so it's really interesting. And even like you mentioned your son, it, it's important to have that social network, but you start weighing the pros and the cons of the situation. And right. So, mm -hmm. Yeah. And, sorry, Kenny, go ahead. No, no. I, I think, you know, one of the things, you know, cause we're the one, there's a few things that are still out there. One is the stimulus money, um, you know, there's a big uncertainty on that, right? That's that's massive. When the, when that money shuts down for businesses and for people, things are going to change a lot. Uh, that's the, the first thing. Um, the second thing is is the virus is still a real threat. You know, it has not been contained. There is no vaccine. You, you know, and so that could have massive effects, continued massive effects on a number of things, you know, on migration patterns, on businesses, and, uh, the, and the survival of businesses and, and jobs and all those kinds of things. So there's still a lot of big uncertainty, but it's a, this is an important show that you're doing because I think if you can just get people to wrap their heads around, you know, what to look for, um, you know? Yeah, Kenny, and I love that you mentioned that because you've been, you've been really, um, although there's a lot of uncertainty, you've been studying a lot of patterns and what to look for and, and how to more than predict, prepare for these situations. And I mean, even in that, uh, that YouTube video that you mentioned, um, how the, the Twitter employer said, everybody, you know, we're going to permanently work from home forever. And so in that video, I also like that you talked about the three trends that will soon impact in the real estate in 2020. And if you could share with our viewers what those trends are, that would be great. And I'll also link the video right here to the left. Yeah, of course. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, 
one, I we already kind of talked about they're moving out of these high density areas because people are afraid of elevators. They're afraid of living in close quarter, you know, quarters. Uh, so that's for sure already happening. Um, you know, there's the rise of the remote workspace. You know, and I always tell everybody this. I go, listen, like Skype and Zoom, like it was all here, like you know, way before all this. You know, and um, you know what happens in things in times like this is things just get accelerated. And so, you know, so all of a sudden people were slowly adopting technology and now they, you know, they have to. Um, so this rise in the remote workspace, I think is a big deal. And then, you know, we've touched on the affordability piece. Affordability is going to be a big deal next year. You, you know, when the, when, when the dust settles and people have whatever they have financially, you know, whether it's a job or savings or, or no job and no savings, things are gonna work themselves out, right? They're gonna move in with their parents, they're gonna double up, they're gonna do, they're gonna downsize, they're, you know, they're gonna do whatever. They're gonna look for jobs, if there are any in that area, if they're not, they're gonna move, you know, so all that stuff's gonna happen yet. Uh, and uh, I think next year is gonna be a fascinating time, but those are the three things that I think you know you, we, you, you continue to, to watch. Um, what I always like to tell people is let, don't forget that real estate serves the people. That's it. Mm -hmm. And it exists only for the people. So whether it's a retail store that you go shop at or you don't, or it's a mall that you go to or you don't, or it's a stadium, of, you know, which is real estate, um, full of, you know, at an NFL game, you either go or you don't. Or it's an apartment that you either rent or you don't. And, you know, it exists for the people. Mm -hmm. And so in, in areas that are of high demand, um, you know, like lots of jobs, then it puts stress on those things. If, there, if there's low demand, then it you know, it doesn't put stress on those things. And that's how prices go up and down. And so it's going to be interesting to see, you know, exactly where that stress, uh, you know, starts to show up. Yeah, definitely. You know, it's going to be, like you said, once the dust settles, it's going to be an interesting, interesting time to, to watch these behaviors and see exactly what happens in the market. And, you know, with so much crazy going on, the craziness going on, it's estimated that as many as 30% of Americans with home loans, about 15 million people are at risk of mortgage foreclosure in the U.S. And if it remains closed, do you see this as another indicator that we'll live through another recession like we did or in another real estate crash like we did in 2008? And if so, I mean, why? Yeah, so great question. So the, the 2008 crash was very different, and um, I'll tell you why. Mm -hmm. the what was happening then was a lot of people were buying second uh places third places fourth places as investments and they were you know trying to rent them out and we never really so we're not in that kind of a bubble you know, you know uh, and so what popped mostly during that time were were those kinds of things now in, in this particular uh, scenario, it's very different. This, this has a lot to do with people's individual incomes being gone 
people's businesses being gone. And, and so there's definitely going to be a ripple effect on that. You, you were already, you're already seeing mortgage delinquencies are up. You're, you know, you're not seeing the foreclosures quite yet again, because a lot of it's kind of propped up. And um, so I think next year is going to be very, very different. I think you're going to see a lot of foreclosures. Uh, it has to be, you know, it, it's just a, it's a, um, it's, it's a trickle up effect. You know, if, if, if an employee doesn't have uh, a job and they're not getting stimulus money, they're going to probably blow through their savings to, to keep whatever they have, uh, you know, and try to get another job. And, you know, there's going to be all these scenarios. There's going to be some that are just going to walk away. There's going to be some that are going to move uh, and just walk away. And, you know, there's going to be all these scenarios, but most of the time people try to hold on to what they, what they have. If there's kind of the brightness of the future piece, which is, okay, is this where I want to be? Is my job going to come back? Do I really want to be in, let's say, you know, New York city or Seattle now, um, you know, long-term, you know, so all those scenarios are going to play out and it's going to definitely affect the mortgage. Yeah. And one thing, one thing, just kind of like a side tangent of what you were talking about, what I really like, I, I know this is a crisis and it's everything going on is horrible. But I think it's been a huge opportunity for people to actually analyze those questions like you were mentioning, like, do I actually want to live here? What's going to go happen to my job? How can I protect myself from this in the future? So I really think people are starting to ask themselves personal and questions that they were pushing off. And they're coming to these realizations of their current situation and really waking up to the reality of, I need to make sure my future is in my hands. And I just, I love that because I think a lot of people are waking up right now. They are. And, mm -hmm. you know, that's what corrections do. That It happened in 08. You know, I've watched it multiple times when, you know, when people have, you know, the, the normalcy is gone. You, you know, they don't have the, uh, say, the paycheck or, or maybe the company wasn't as strong. Or, um, and I also, there's also kind, all kinds of success stories, too you know, which nobody really talks a lot about, but there's a lot of companies that are doing well, you know, during this period. And, um, you know, and it's, it's just interesting to me, but so, but I think that if you're, you know, uh, you know, part of the millennial money message is understanding it, you know, understanding, you know, how to control your financial future. Mm -hmm. And to me, what a great time to have this lesson when you're young, you, you know, because I, I, I know people that are in their fifties and their sixties that don't have hardly any savings and, you know, they're going through this and, you know, they're, um, they're in trouble, you know? Um, and, and so, you know, if uh, it, it doesn't make it any better, it's just, you have more time to correct. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, we have the luxury of being able to reinvent ourselves at this age. And I think that's, that's gold. And like you said, Millennial Money shows like yours on YouTube and your, your resources and tools. It really does provide the opportunity for those to reinvent themselves and, and truly learn how to thrive in a market like this. And so, Kenny, um, what, this is a personal curiosity too, and a lot of questions, we've got a lot of questions on this. What are you and your team seeing as investments with the largest opportunities? So either multifamilies or commercial investing or family homes, you know, single family homes. Yeah. Which one are you interested in? 
Good question. So oddly enough, even with all of this, um, what happens in, a, in any kind of correction happened in 2008 and certainly going to happen now, and you kind of touched on it with the foreclosures. What happens when people lose houses is they go to rentals. Mm -hmm. And so what will happen is we will definitely have a demand on the rental market. And it has to happen. You, you know, it, it, as people get forced, you know, they can't pay their mortgage or whatever, they look for the next, you know, the next layer of safety, which is usually a rental or moving in with somebody or, you know, there's a number of scenarios. Um, but, you know, uh, that's, that's what rentals um, do for people. You, you know, it, it's a bridge to get a home and it's a bridge, you know, if, 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 if they lose it. And so, um, you know, it's going to be horrible to watch, but it happened in 08. You, you know, one of the things to watch is the home ownership rate. So interestingly enough, one of the presidents pushed the home ownership rate up to almost 68 or 69%, which basically was at an all time high. And I believe that was Bush. So Bush said, hey, everyone in the United States should own a home. And so that got pushed up. And at that time, if you think about it, it affected rentals because people were buying homes. And then uh, slowly um, it you know, went back down and then, you know, now it started to rise back up. And so if you watch the home ownership rate right now, I think it's around 63%. Uh, it could get pushed down to 62 or 61. And, you, you know, the, even though that might just be one percentage, you know, that's, that's like, a, that's over a million people. And so, you, you know, it, it, what it does is it kind of, it kind of moves people in and out of home ownership and rentals based on the policies that are going on and interest rates is, is certainly one of those. Yeah. But the thing about uh, what the banks didn't do this time around is they weren't just lending to anybody, you know, they were, you know, the banks were still being pretty good around, um, you know, giving out loans. And so, you know, the loans are based on people having jobs. And so you're not going to get a home loan if you're on unemployment. You're not going to get a home loan just because you have a savings account and no job. And so, you know, so you're going to see all kinds of stuff happen around that. And hopefully there's some programs that keep people in their homes, you know, because the truth is there's a place for both. I, I believe home ownership is a good thing. I believe that people can build wealth through home ownership and most of people's wealth is in, in, in what they own in their home. There's also a place for rentals. And uh, which happens to be kind of where I hang out. And um, so I still am very bullish on the rental market long term. Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, talking about renters and just like the demand of it overall, what would you suggest for someone who's an investor and has properties and their renters aren't paying, aren't paying their rent? What, what do they do? What, I mean, because that's happening a lot right now. Yeah, well, so, so we have 8,000 tenants. Um, and we're, we deal with that. And so this is right in my wheelhouse. Um, the, the reality is, is that every state has a little bit different scenario around this. There's still, um, you know, uh, an eviction moratorium and that Trump put into place, you, you know, that's about ready to expire. And um, the, 
here's, here's been my experience so far, Alex. Our company's done very well. And the reason that we've done well is because we, one, put the right tenants in our places. Now, this is a bad time for people to realize that mistake, but it's the truth. So, so we have had a very high retention and collection rate um, for April, May, and June so far based on everything that's going on. But again, going back to our original discussion, it's being propped up with all this stimulus money. So we don't know really, right? Um, but we've done okay. The ones that haven't done okay are the ones that have done a poor job communicating to their residents. You know, so we have, we have kind of three buckets. We have bucket one, which is the people that paid. Bucket two are the people that don't want to um, move out and they're in financial trouble. And then we put what's called the PTP program, which is a promise to pay uh, program around them. And then bucket three are what we call ghosts. They ghosted us, you know, and <laughs> that's a very small percentage of people. But, and so you gotta, you know, well, we don't want to boot people out. You, you know, people are going through hardships. We don't, we do not want to do that. We went through this in 08. The best thing you can do is sit down with your tenant and work it out with them and say, give me, you know, what can you do? I have a, I have a mortgage too. I'm trying to make a mortgage, you know, and, uh, and not take the legal route, mm -hmm. you know, and, and so a, a number one is if, if you put the right person in there, like, like, let's just say, let's say you were in that scenario, mm -hmm. you know, if, if your landlord came to you and, and you sat down and had a, just a, you know, a candid conversation, you would probably work something out that worked for you and worked for them. That's the key to this whole thing. And the ones that have taken this hardline position and said, you know what, this is what, you know, um, this is what you said you do in your lease, then you're going to have more troubles. And so for us, it's been, you know, honestly, you know, we, we're dealing with this um, every single month, every single day with thousands of tenants and um, it works, you know, and, and we've, we've survived this very, very well by just communicating and, and, and having some empathy with yeah. people. And, and just, just a funny story too, on the side, um, now you're mentioning about just sitting down with your tenant. Um, in my, my family's properties, right, we follow a lot of your tools and guidelines that you have on your website. And um, we had two tenants that weren't paying in one of the multifamilies. And we actually implemented that strategy that you just talked about. We, because we were ready, I mean, it was frustration. It had been going, going on way before coronavirus. And so um, we were ready to just, you know, like this is getting out of control. Um, and we sat down with the tenant, negotiated, and saw what could work for both sides. Yeah. And it actually ended up working. So thank you for those tools too, because I think um, sometimes when emotions go high, you don't you don't lead yourself to education. And I think that's truly important right now because, like you said, it just took a certain tool negotiation in order to kind of meet in the middle with your tenant, which is awesome. Listen, you can always fight. Mm -hmm. It never works. Mm -hmm. You know, it just doesn't work. I mean, when you got two people you know, and they're, you know, it just doesn't work. You're, you're better off sitting down and figuring it out. And that's what we've tried to do with, um, you know, thousands of people and it's, it's worked. Yeah. And um, here's a particular example I want you to set, shed some light on and knowledge. 
let's say there's a multifamily, someone who has a multifamily property, right? And they have a 4% cap rate with a mortgage interest at, with 5%. Would you sell the property to buy cheaper at a later date or would you keep the property right now? So um, there would be a number of factors. The first one would be what's the demand in the area? And you know, if it was something that had, I felt would be very high demand over a long period of time, I might keep that, you know, and also the equity in the property is something else that I would be looking at. So if I had really thin equity, for example, let's say, let's say the market corrected and I didn't have, you know, my down payment, even, or maybe I just had my down payment. I might sell that, you know, and move out of that market because, you know, cause I'm a, I'm a long-term guy. So I'm not, I'm not a flipper. Yeah. Uh, um, I don't try to time the market. Uh, you know, I, I, I think, you know, if, if, if my rent is going to be strong and my occupancy is going to be strong over the long haul, then, you know, that's, that's, you know, what I would do. But in, in a market that has, you know, that I think is going to be severely impacted over the long haul, then I probably would exit from that market and, yeah. and move into a market that, you know, might, might be emerging. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you, Kenny. And then lastly, um, this question has actually been trending a lot on social media and a lot of people have been talking about it because there's a lot of talk about, you know, how commercial real estate containing malls and retail stores will be closing. And people are wondering what will they be converted to, or maybe could they be repurposed into senior living, but someone with your expertise, I kind of would like to know what you're thinking and where you think these properties are headed to. Well, it's important to know that this is not new information. So, you know, if you look at the rise of Amazon and you look at, you know, all these businesses that have gone online, whether it's Home Depot or Target or Macy's or whatever it is, they were already doing that. You know, mm -hmm. they already were going from the, what we call brick and mortar to online. And so, you know, there, some of them made that transition a lot quicker than others. Um, and the, the fact is, is there definitely are businesses that have already filed and that is for sure. And so what we've already seen is kind of the death of the malls, you know, though that was already in going, that was already happening. And, um, and those are, are being repurposed right now on a number of levels. So in some cases we've seen massive redevelopment. So they take, the whole area and they rip the whole thing down, you know, and they, they do, you know, redevelopment of some kind, depending on what the city needs. And, um, you know, so you're going to see that. We've also seen some corporate, big corporate um, companies take, take them over as headquarters, which is interesting. Mm -hmm. uh, but that could change now too with this remote workforce. So, you know, at the end of the day, real estate is pretty dumb. You know, it's, it's a, it's a massive, great corner. Usually malls are in great locations. And if the, um, you know, if the stores aren't in there, they're not paying the landlord and the landlord's not paying the mortgage. And, you know, somebody's going to get that mall back and it's going to die a slow death, you know? And, you know, the big department stores were already, this was already happening. That's mm -hmm. why, you know, Macy's, JCPenney's, Kmart's gone, you know, all these businesses, 
it was already happening. So, you, you know, we just, people are just starting to read about it more. But in my world, it was already well, well, um, you know, down the line. And, and so it's just going to continue. And what will happen is those corners will be, you know, repurposed. Uh, and they'll be very different, you know, all over the map. And I think it's, you know, it's going to be fascinating. The, the one, the one darling in retail is going to be the, the, the strip centers that are anchored by really good grocery. Mm -hmm. So, you know, like think of your grocery store, cause that's something that people are still going to do. Mm -hmm. They're still going to go to the store and get their food. And so if, if like a big store, like a Safeway or a Fry's or whatever it is, Kroger is anchored somewhere that's going to help the small retailer, you know, in that area. But the ones that don't have the big grocery stores are really in jeopardy, you know, um, you know, and, and so you're going to see, I have a lot of friends in the retail space and they'll, it's horrible. You know, they're collecting 30, 40, 50% of the rent. And, you know, that's not enough to pay the operating expenses and the mortgage. And so you're going to start to see on a large scale, not just with malls, these regional centers, these regional retail centers um, are, are going to start to go down over, over um, you know, the next few years. Yeah. And, and I think it was, you made a great emphasis on the fact that these things were already happening before, but because of coronavirus, I mean, they may have accelerated, but coronavirus isn't to blame for all this. I mean, there was a no. lot of, yeah, but there's we, a lot of people that were talking, a lot of experts were talking about these things heading our way, way before all this. They just started meeting the headlines right now. Right, right. Like, like think about it, like people's shopping habits, you know, I mean, yeah. there's a reason why Amazon's hiring 100,000 people at a time, you know, like it's online shopping is, is here. It's been here for a long time. You know, people just have to look at their own behaviors. You know, when's the last time you go here for anything? I'm up in Idaho right now, and I, you know, I'm playing golf a lot and got and on the lake a lot. Everything I have, everything I needed, I just went online and ordered, and it comes straight to my house. You know, <laughs> back at, back in the old days, I would have to go to the, you know, the marina and buy stuff for my boat and go to the golf, you know, store and you know, or sporting goods store and buy stuff for that. You know, that's all gone. People just don't do that anymore. It just, you know, you can do it, you know, literally, you know, in a moment, you can order stuff and it ends up. And so, <laughs> you know, like, and so that was already here. And so the coronavirus is just, what it, what it did is it just put that final knife in a lot of those uh, businesses, unfortunately, that, yeah. um, you know, were on life support already. Mm -hmm. It ripped the bandaid off. Cause I mean, like you said, it, it's, Yes, you can educate yourself online and there's so many resources, but even if you evaluate what goes on in your day-to-day -day life and like your friends and family, you could really already predict these certain behaviors that were already happening to begin with. So, it was already there. Yeah. It was already there. I mean, yeah. it was already there. Yeah, yeah. So, so all, these, all these stores and all these stories um, are not new. You know, they, if you go back, you'll see them in 08 or, or 2018, 2019. They were, you know, Kmart is, Kmart went out of business years ago. JCPenney was already on life support. Sears was already on life support. Macy's was, you know, like, right. And, and, and you know, if you really think about it, if you go step back from it, they, they took away business 
uh, you know, back in the 40s and 50s from the small mom and pops. And so that's all kind of going back the other way now. Um, you know, so it just ebbs and flows. Yeah, it's funny how um, I guess the marketing behind of making this team, how it's just we're experiencing this for the first time. But I mean, if we really reach out and educate ourselves, we can definitely see that we've lived through this and we'll make we'll make it out of this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The It's all really, really apparent, you know, like like I grew up reading the newspaper. Mm -hmm. OK, gone. <laughs> I grew up using a travel agent. Gone. You know, I grew up going to a mall, gone. It's, it, you know, these things are, you know, just got to look at, look around mm -hmm. and you see what's happening, you know, people's behavior, you know, which is why, you know, those, those industries have changed a lot due to technology and, and, and the way that, you know, people's behaviors are, that's it. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Kenny, because I really think you're an important guest for this Melania Money Show. And I really do thank you for all the education you put out because I know friends, family members, and even myself who have benefited from the tools that you provide. And so we'll definitely be sharing that with our community, the links to your YouTube videos, your book, because everybody needs to read and educate themselves um, during a time like this, clearly. And so thank you so much, Kenny, because you have done a tremendous job on your social media as well. So thank, thank you. you. I'm having fun. It's, you know, I'm in quarantine. You know, I might as well educate people, right? Yeah. I hope you've been enlightened by Ken McElroy's words of wisdom during these hard times. And if you enjoyed this video, want to stay tuned and continue your education through this pandemic, remember to subscribe and hit the notification bell so you can see more Melania Monies and videos just like this. Thank you, everyone. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.